Hey, I'm Pastor Mike, and thank you so much for taking time to check out this message. And I hope that it inspires you. I hope it pushes you either towards a relationship with Jesus or further along in your relationship with Jesus. But we would never want this message to replace the reality of what it means to be involved with a local church. Although I'm excited that you're checking this out and I, and I hope it speaks to you, let me encourage you that you need to be involved in a local body. There's something to the fact that you need to be under the authority of the spiritual lead of a pastor and involved in a community that can push you uh, further along. We are meant to be in community. So enjoy this message, but let me encourage you to be seeking an opportunity to be involved with a local church. Starting a new series today called Travel Light. And, and one of the things that I hope to accomplish in this series is to remind us that this world is not our final destination. So let that sink in for a second. This world is not our final destination. Isn't it amazing when you're traveling, whether it's your family or a group of people or whatever, when you're traveling, the person that gets dogged on is the person who brings the biggest suitcase or multiple suitcase. You know what I'm talking about? Like I live with four women. Do you understand what I'm saying? Whenever we go somewhere, inevitably somebody brings, there's this green one. There's this green piece of luggage that that hangs out in our attic. And inevitably one of them brings this green piece of luggage down. You could probably put this screen in this piece of luggage. Do you understand what I'm saying? And they'll bring it down and I'm like, how am I getting this in the car? Kind of a deal. And and they get dogged out. And isn't it funny how we do that when you really think about it? Because you think, why in the world do you need all this junk? Like, why do you need all this stuff? Like, we're, we're going for two nights. Are you serious? Right? And of course, I get the whole, but I've got my makeup bag and concealer. I don't know what it is. I don't know. Bunch of feminine stuff I don't want to talk about right now. Right? But, but listen, but, but, but here's, here's the reality. But it's funny how everyone will look at that situation and go, that's crazy. Like, that's way overboard. What we're going to do in this series is we're going to stop and ask, how much luggage are we carrying around on this earth that is way overboard? For somebody who's just traveling through, for somebody who's here for a short amount of time and then will be eternity, but we lose perspective. Come on, somebody. Do we not lose perspective? Right? We, we, we so easily lose perspective. I walked into my garage the other day. Come on, somebody. And I realized how much junk I have accumulated over the years. I got a bike. I got a bike. Have you been in my garage? I've got a bike. I got a bike hanging up. And I looked at it the other day and I thought, when was the last time somebody rode that bike? And I'm pretty sure my best guess is about eight years ago. How about you? When I look at the amount of tools... Come on, guys, you know how, you know how it goes. You gotta go fix something, right? And you're gonna fix something. 
And you walk in the garage and this, we do the man look. Do you know what the man look is, ladies? Ladies, you know what the man look is, right? Right? Where are my socks? They're in the drawer. I didn't see them. And then she comes and goes, they're right here. That's the man look. Come on, right? We do the same thing in our garage, right? When it's time to fix something. Well, I don't have that tool. I'm going to Ace Hardware. You got seven of them. They're just in the bottom drawer. Right? Now, ladies, don't let me get started on your bathroom if you want to start. Ah, see, 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 you said preach. Now you just backed up. But listen, isn't it crazy when you think about the reality of what it means for us to accumulate stuff? But I want to say this to you this morning. Not just physical stuff. We accumulate hurts. We accumulate regrets, right? We, we accumulate all kinds of discontentment. We build a life based on not being content with what's going on. And so there's a tension. If we're just passing through, why are we holding on to or carrying so much stuff? For the next few weeks, including Christmas Eve, we're going to talk about letting go. I'm not going to sing the song. We'll let Elsa sing the song, right? But we're going to talk about letting go of the things that have accumulated and I think are holding us back from the life that God had intended for us, right? Maybe even holding us back from our purpose and the potential that God had already placed in our lives. If you knew there was something in your life that was holding you back from your potential, would you get rid of it? And that's a hard question because on Sunday morning we go, yeah. But on Monday night, if we put our finger on something specific, you might be like, I don't know. Listen to this. Listen to 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world. And we can take nothing out of it, right? We've all heard the saying, right? There's no U-Hauls behind the hearse, right? Some people are crazy enough to like have all their stuff packed into their coffin with them, right? For, for what use? None. But if we have, listen, catch this. But if we have food and clothing, that's the Bible standard. That's not the American standard, but that's the Bible's standard, on stuff. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. Catch this part. You've heard this verse, but maybe you've never read all that as the setup. For the love of money, not money, Money is not the root of all kinds of evil. The love, the love of money, how my heart, mind, my soul, how I look at this thing called money, how I look at resources and the things of this world. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And some people, eager for money, 
have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with grief. Everything in our culture screams the exact opposite of this. Right? Everything, especially during this season. Especially during this season. But do you remember that this is the very first lie that was told to mankind? The very first temptation which brought in sin. Adam and Eve are standing there. And God says, there's all this stuff. It's all yours. All the trees. Like here's strawberries and bananas. and here, Here's all these bushes of fruit. All this stuff. There's one tree. There's one tree. That one I don't want you to touch. And here comes the lie. Did God really say that? And don't we do the same today? We justify, we argue with, right? Did, did God really say that? And that's the temptation that, 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 we, that, that we've been battling from the very beginning. Here, here's what he basically was saying. What you don't have is what you need. What you don't have is what you need to be happy, fulfilled, complete. More is better, right? If, 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 if a dollar is good, then two is better. Right? If one car is good, then two is better. If one kid, okay, maybe not. But you get the idea. <laughs> right? I mean, you, you, you get the idea. Listen to Ecclesiastes 4 and 6, and I didn't put this in your note, but just listen to the words. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. What we need is less of what doesn't matter and more of what does matter. That's, that's really the, the, the crux of the whole thing. It's us defining and coming to the place where we realize what really doesn't matter and what really does. See, your life is too valuable. Some of you hadn't heard that in a while and you need to hear that. Your life is so valuable. How valuable is your life? Well, the value of anything, whether it be this table or that TV or this screen, the value is basically whatever somebody will pay for it, right? And what was paid for your life was the Son of God leaving heaven and dying on a cross. You are invaluable. We can't put a dollar figure on your life. It's too valuable. The calling that God has on your life is too great. So it says in Luke 12 and 5, watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Man, my life does not consist of my stuff. I am not what I have. I am not what I own. I am not what I drive. I am not what I wear, right? Man, we're getting ready for Christmas. And that's what you see on the TV all the time. You know what my favorite commercial is right now? Every season. Every season, you see this like beautiful couple in this ultra modern, cool, beautiful house. And they give each other a Lexus with a big red bow on top. Raise your hand if any of you look just like that picture. None of us do. 
Nobody does. So listen to, catch this. So why does that commercial work? Like, why do they do it? Because they do it every year, don't they? Like, and they're smart people. It's not like there's dumb people behind these that it's not working and they just keep doing it because they don't know what else to do. No, it's working. Why? Why? If when you look around Leesburg and Lake County, like we can find like two couples that look maybe like that couple. Maybe. Right? Or the one lately, I love the one where the guy's like, I bought us, I bought you the little SUV thing and he bought the truck and she goes to the truck. I love the truck. Right? And he's got to take, but, but listen, why? You know why? Because here's, here's the message that the enemy is bringing to us. Two handfuls. This is the two handful message. And it's this. You may not look like them. You may not have a house like them, but at least maybe you could have a car like them and that'd be one step in that direction. That's, that's the message. That's the, that's the pull of the world trying to say to us, come and grab stuff and get more stuff because it's going to make you happy and it's going to make you fulfilled. What you don't have is what you need. You'll be happier, popular. It's funny because we teach these lessons to our kids and we act like this is like, you can almost look at this type of a teaching and talk about being happier or cooler or fitting in and all that. And you go, well, that sounds like a youth group message. That's not true. I don't care how old you are. There's something inside of you that wants to be accepted, wants to be a part. You know what the difference between us and teenagers are as adults? We just know how to make it more socially acceptable. Right? We just know how to hide it or make it look like it's more. But, but here's, so here's the question. Here's the question I want to ask you. What if the stuff that, that you have is robbing you of the life you want? Or, or what if, especially the stuff you're chasing, is robbing you of the life that you want? See, there was a, there was a guy back in the day in, in Israel named King Solomon. If you remember the story of King Solomon, he had everything, right? I mean, and he had multiples of everything, including wives, right? <laughs> Homeboy had 700 wives. I live with four women. I don't even know how that works. You know what I'm saying? But, but everything was kind of an excess with Solomon. It was, he had, he had wives and he had jewels and he had wisdom and he had all this stuff. And in the midst of all that, Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes chapter five, he writes a few verses that remind us of some realities that I think we need to reframe our thinking, especially as we're getting into this holiday season. Let me read for you. Ecclesiastes 5.10a says this, those who love money will never have enough. In other words, the more I have, the more I want. The more I have, the more I want. Yes, you were correct. One of, one of the little girls in the back said, I know what the first blank is. I think it's want. You were right. The more I have, the more I want. Ecclesiastes 5.10b. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. The more I have, listen, the less I'm satisfied. The, 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 the more I have, the less I'm satisfied in who I am. This is Solomon's words. Ecclesiastes 5 and 11a. Keep going. The more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. Come on, somebody. In other words, the more I have, the more others want it. Come on, it's, it's fantastic if you've got a good friend that's got a beach house. Right? 
The other, we, we got invited to go to a hockey game the other night, Solar Bears hockey game. And it was so cool. We had so, we, we were like, I don't know, middle of the week, we're tired. And we got like a one night notice and they were like, dinner's included. I'm like, oh, free food. Okay, I'm in. Right? No, but we go, well, it was the craziest. They have these like killer tickets that are at the end of the ring. Like when I tell you the ice, like when they scored, I would go up to the ice and bang on the ice, you know, kind of deal. Like we were right here sitting here eating. We had a buffet. It was all free. It was all included in their tickets. Like they must spend $400 billion on these tickets, but they're amazing kind of a deal. And, and, and how much fun was that? But what I told Jen on the way home was like, I am so glad to have friends that have that stuff. Come on, somebody. It's so much better to have somebody, a friend who has a boat than to own a boat. Have you seen the meme, the $100 bill on fire? Says, if you're, if you're comfortable with this picture, you're ready to own a boat. You know what I'm talking about? Right? And that's, that's really what happens here is, is and, and, and then also we cause each other to stumble because we have this constant like, well, I wish I had what so-and-so had. Right? And, and, and we keep up. Solomon was smart. Ecclesiastes 5.11b says, so what good is wealth except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers? In other words, the more I have, the more I realize that it doesn't meet my needs. It's amazing. Listen to me. Don't hear me saying wealth is bad. It's not wealth that it's bad. What did we read? It's the love of money. It's a heart condition in us. It's not the money. It's not whether you have a Honda or a Tesla. It's, it's, it's not the thing. It's me. It's, it's my heart. It's the way I approach it. And, and eventually I will chase things and chasing two handfuls to the point where I get to the realization where I go, you know what? This doesn't meet my needs. This doesn't satisfy what is really the hunger of my heart. It goes on and it says, people who work hard sleep well at night. Whether they eat little or much, but the rich... Seldom get a good night's sleep. That's Ecclesiastes. Why? Because the more I have, the more I have to worry about. You know, we get to a point where we own so many things that we'll say something like this. Well, I'm, and I'm, I can say this to you because I'm not being ugly to you. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm too busy to come to church on Sunday because it's the only day that I can do my house and this and all that. Well, then maybe you have too much stuff. That when we get to the point where we are taking care of so many worldly things, let me ask, where is our focus? Like, where is who we're... It is better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. So I want to give you three points today to help us with some practical things to reset our minds and reset our brains as we're heading into this Christmas season, as we're heading into this being bombarded with wish lists and gifts and presents and come on somebody we got christmas parties to go to and you're already looking at how much money you got to spend on this and that on that i got to spend this on that grandkid but i better spend the same on the other or we're gonna have a problem i mean we this this time period it's the only birthday where the people at the birthday party get all the presents this is jesus's birthday party this is not our birthday party. How come we get all the presents? Right? What a, what a weird tradition. What a weird switch of the reality of what this is supposed to be all about. So let me, let me read you from Psalm 62 because what I want to do 
in the last, in the final few minutes of, of today is I want to help to switch something inside of us. Because if the love of money, this thing inside of us, this, this desire, this love, this passion of things, of money is the issue, then we've got to set our hearts and our minds somewhere else, right? We, we, we've got to set our heart, instead of our hearts being set upon money or riches or resources, our hearts have to be set on something else. Look at Psalm 62, 5 through 10. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. That statement, you could just blow right over it. We're really good on Sunday morning or in Sunday school. Hearing something like that and going, yeah, mm, that's good. Mm. But let me ask you a question. And this, I'm going to step on some toes. Where do you find rest? Can I be transparent and tell you a place I find rest? Confession, good for the soul, bad for the reputation. I recognize one of the places I find rest is food. Come on, somebody. Anybody like to eat? My family's from Louisiana. Like I, if I'm mad, guess what? I want to eat something. I want to eat something good. It better be fried. You know what I'm talking about? I don't care what it is, but fry it. Right? Give me some straight up comfort food. Where do you find rest? Maybe you find rest in shopping. When you're upset. If I go buy something, that makes me feel better. Maybe you find rest in a bottle or in some other way that you medicate yourself. And yeah, you've got a prescription for it. Did I go too far on that one? Listen to me. I say it because I love you. Because it's my job as your pastor to push you a little bit. Where do you find rest? How do you comfort yourself? When you, and and I dare you this week, when you get mad, disappointed, frustrated, whatever, what do you do next? Because I think that's how you answer that question. That's, That's how you answer that question of, where do I find rest? But the scripture tells us, listen, the, the point is, and this is setting my heart, find rest in my soul in God alone. My hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. How many of you know when you eat that big old fried plate of food, it was so good going down. And then you feel like you're going to throw up the rest of the day. Right? You go buy that outfit, and oh my God, it's so cute. And then like six months later, it's like the ugliest thing you've ever seen. Come, come on, understand, listen, this is what we do, and we need to get real about this. And, and, and I'm, asking, I'm begging you for you to get very real right where you are, uh, uh, about you. Where do you find rest? Because God is the only rest that actually brings rest. It's the only thing. And you know what? You know why we go? You know why I go after a big old flat fried? The more I talk about it, the hungry I get. The, the, why do I go after a big old, like I want like fried fish and french fries 
and hush puppies. I don't know if I'm going to eat the coleslaw. It's just taking up space of the fried food. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you know what I'm talking Come on, man. salad. Come on, whatever. Right? No, but listen, listen. The reason that I go for that is because it gives me a temporary right now. And everything in our life is right now. I want it right now. And how many of you know, how many have lived long enough to know, right now is only for right now. It never lasts. And that's why it makes it so hard for us to rest in God. Because to rest in God means I get to choose in this moment to do it right now. And I don't feel better, necessarily. And I get to get up tomorrow morning and I get to choose to rest in him again. God, I I put my trust in you and you alone and I don't feel anything yet. And maybe it takes a couple days, maybe even takes a couple weeks before all of a sudden I feel a sense of peace and right. This is why it's so hard for us to rest in God because those things that are lasting and eternal, they take some time usually. Don't get me wrong. There are times when the Holy Spirit just shows up, right? There are times when the Holy Spirit shows up and boom, you feel his presence and you go, oh yeah, I'm ready to go charge hell with a water pistol right now, right? But on a day-to-day basis, the majority of the time, it takes grit, right? It takes I'll say it to you this way. Sorry if this offends anyone. You have to just embrace the suck. That's a Marines term. That's what the Marines say. Embrace the suck. Yesterday, I ran a 14-mile trail race. Mud and all this sort of stuff. On a, on a pulled Achilles heel. Can I tell you it sucked? It did. And I kept telling myself, embrace the suck. This is what it's all about. Make it happen. Get to the end. And that's what the scripture says over. Paul says, run the race in such a way that you might get the prize, right? Run the race. Yeah, run the race. You know, when you're out of breath and your Achilles is pulled and everybody's blowing past you and you feel like a loser. Yeah, that was me yesterday, right? Because I was hurting like crazy. Listen to me. That was the greatest bowl of chili I've ever had in my life. They handed me a bowl of chili when I came across the finish line. Some, some, some little old lady made it in a crock pot. It wasn't that great, honestly, but it was the greatest chili I ever had. Why? Because it was at the end. Do you understand? This is, this is what God is trying to build his, his people. Is a people that say, you know what? I will do the work. I will, I will stop chasing the stuff. Everything that this world is saying, no, here, take this. It'll make you feel better. No, here, take this. It'll make you, here, take this prescription. Here, drink this. Here, smoke that. And the reality being that we have to set our hearts and our vision on what it is that he's called us to do. And then life just smacks you in the face. Come on, somebody. Yesterday I'm running the race. You can't make this stuff up. Obviously I didn't prepare this in my sermon. God just gave me this. I'm using an app on my phone. 
This is in a half marathon app. Jeff Galloway is this like world-renowned running dude, right? And he's got an app. And so I'm using the app on my phone. I've got my AirPods in my ear. And it does this techno music. And this techno music is at the pace in which you want to run. You know, so it's, you know, like, and I'm doing my thing and Jeff's coaching me the whole way. You got this. You're, you're the man, blah, blah, blah. He does all this stuff. And I mean, it's fantastic. It's like having a personal trainer run with you kind of deal. You know what the problem was? Jeff's like, all right, one mile left. You got this, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I'm, I'm like negative splits, which means I'm running faster coming home than I was going out. I'm negative splits. I'm pounding it out. Nobody told Jeff the race was 15 miles. So all of a sudden Jeff goes, great job, your race is over. And I'm like, no, I'm standing in the middle of the woods and want to punch you in the face right now. And I had to do the last like two miles, two miles, come on, without the music. Listen, catch this, without the music and without the encouragement. Some of you here, right now, you don't hear the music anymore. And you don't feel a lot of encouragement right now. And you're just plodding through, step after step. One muddy step after another, with your Achilles pounding, shin splints starting to kill me on this side. And I just kept telling myself, just finish. Why? Every corner, I'm looking at every corner and going, is this going to be the one where I'm going to see that big, crazy, inflatable finish line? And that's what God is saying to each one of us. There's a race for you to finish. Set your hearts. Set your hearts on the finish. Set your hearts on what it is that God's called you to do because the Lexus ain't going to get it. It's going to be nice for a time period. Listen to me, nothing wrong with owning a Lexus. The Lexus is not the issue, what's the issue? My heart and what I've set my heart upon. Let me give you three thoughts. Three thoughts today to help you as we kind of practically walk through this. Number one, set your heart on giving and not getting. Set your heart on giving and not getting. Some of us don't even realize how much we've set our heart on getting. We set our heart, we plan our month around the time the paycheck comes. We've built our life in such a way that we're waiting on the, when that paycheck comes. That's not my heart set on giving, that's my heart set on giving. That's a life built around getting. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? Right? The, the reality, and, and I'm not just talking about money. Giving your time. Right? So grateful. 10 or 11 people showed up at the Thrive Center yesterday to give their time to put up new walls as we start to build out the, the new teen center that we're building and, and, and the ability there. We had a whole bunch of you show up and shake your booty for the Zumbathon. Okay? The Zumbathon happened yesterday morning and a whole bunch of items for the rock. You know, like, set your heart. Listen, during this time period, families, sit down with your kids and pick one gift that they get for Jesus' birthday. And make it for Jesus' birthday. And then decide how your family is going to give this season. And not get. What is it that we say to our kids, to anyone else, when it looks like Toys R Us throws up in our living room? 
We're setting their hearts on the things of this world. Right? Instead of setting their hearts in the right place. And maybe it's because we don't have our hearts set in the right place. Set your heart on giving. This is a little crocheted stocking. When I was a little boy, my nanny, who is not with us any longer, started making these little crocheted stockings. Um, she used to make them for every class that I was in. So when I was in first grade, my entire first grade class got them. When I was in second grade, my entire second, all the way through, all the way through to college. She made them for my fraternity brothers at the fraternity. Now I got to tell you at that time, I thought it was kind of dumb. I did. Like, okay, nanny sent me these. Come on, picture that. Walking around a bunch of stupid fraternity boys going, this is from my grandma. You know, like that's what it felt like. But you know, when nanny passed away, I had one last box. And that last box, I went to the youth group when I was over at the father's house. And I pulled out that box and I threw tears. I was like, this is my nanny's last box of these. And I gave them out to the kids and some of the kids got tears. Some of those kids still tell me today, Pastor Mike still got nanny stocking up on the tree. Now was the last box. Do you know I have given these away every year now for nine years? They keep showing up. I had a family member hear the story, call me and say we were cleaning out a house, a family member's house in the attic and we found a whole nother box of nanny socks. Mailed them to me. I think I'm going to be 99 and still giving away nanny socks. But here's what I can tell you. This is the last one in our house. This is priceless to me. My nanny was ridiculous in buying me things. She ticked my mom off on a regular basis. Because I could get nanny to buy me anything. I remember being at J.C. Penney's one time, and this isn't, I mean, this is like the 80s. And we found this amazing leather jacket. It was the coolest thing I ever saw in my life. And it was only 400 bucks. And Nanny bought it for me. I have no idea where that jacket is. Can I tell you something? That jacket doesn't matter a hill of beans to me right now. Neither do all the presents that might be sitting under your tree. Are we setting our hearts in the right place? But now I know, boy, I look at this. This is priceless, right? I can picture my nanny and doing what she does. Who has a Christmas tree? Who has their Christmas tree up? Anybody? Jen, you have your Christmas tree up? Here, put this on your Christmas tree. You have one already? Who has, who, who has their Christmas tree? Here, Lisa, do you have one of these? Take this. This is priceless. No, no, no. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Listen, listen, listen. Set your heart on giving. Set your heart on giving. Like, I, I, I mean, really, that feels so good. You know what I mean? Like to hear Jennifer go, I got one on my tree. I mean, how cool is that? Because you know what? I, I think there's going to be, somebody's going to mail me some more next week. Watch. Because listen, that's how God works. When we set our heart on serving others, some people look at me and think I'm kind of crazy in the way we do this whole Church of the Lakes things. Because like we probably could have bought a piece of property and started building a building on the amount of money that we've put into this school and into the community. Right? We could have built a building. We could have done all these things and made ourselves comfortable. That is not who God has called us to be. 
So can I challenge you to consider doing that and setting your heart on giving and not getting this season? Acts 20 and 35. You'll not likely go wrong here if you keep remembering that our master said, who? Jesus said, you're far happier giving than getting. Happier, listen to me, happier means peace, not lack of storm. Are you tracking with me? Happier means peace in the storm. Doesn't mean all the storms go away. It just means somehow when all heck is breaking loose around you, I loved it yesterday. I come back and I'm on mile probably 12 and they've got an aid station. And I come running around the corner and there's a few people there. And they're like, yeah, woo, what's up, man? Great job. Great job. What do you want? We got peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and bananas and Gatorade, water. We got all this stuff. Goo, which is this stuff you use. It's like electrolytes and all that. They got all this stuff around the table. And, uh, and they, they had caught me on the front side and they saw I had a big sort of a, a taped up job on my ankle trying to hold it together. And uh, they go, how's the ankle doing? I'm like, man, it stinks right now. And I said it just like that. And they go, and you're still grinning. And I go, why, why, why'd I not be grinning? Why? Listen to me. There's a whole bunch of people sitting at home that couldn't race that, run that race yesterday. Cause they don't have legs. Or cause they're handicapped. I mean, when do we, the people of God, stand up and go, whoa, whoa, whoa. I have set my heart so much on the world that I am looking at everything I lack and don't have. And I'm miserable because I don't have the house that that I saw on Pinterest. Because I don't have the engagement, you know, that I saw on Instagram. Because I don't have the marriage where my husband brought me Alexa. How come I don't get Alexis? And that is our heart set on the things of this world instead of changing our mind to saying, man, we're just, try- we're just passing through, y'all. We're just passing through. All this stuff and all the stuff that you have is meant to be given and serve other people. Nothing wrong with having things. It's a problem when things have you. Heart. Heart issue, Right? Happier, Second Corinthians 9 and 11. You'll be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Man, I thought, think about that. You'll be rich in every way so that you can be. I don't know, maybe some of us are struggling because we're selfish. Maybe God doesn't look at us like a big enough conduit to send a lot through. Right? And that when I get my heart right, when I go, it doesn't matter. Whatever I got, it's yours, God. Whatever it is that I've got to pass on. Because number two says this, set your heart on true riches. True riches. True riches. Let me give you a definition of true riches. True riches is whatever lasts forever. What is the only thing on this earth that lasts forever? People. People. All the rest of this is going away. Yeah, there's going to be a new earth. But all the rest of what we see and the way we see it right now is going away. But your neighbor is forever. And your co-worker is forever. So what are true riches? It's, it's whatever people God has put into our life. I found this little thing and I want to read it short, quickly to you. It's called uh, past, uh, Daddy's Christmas Tips. But I thought we could put this for all of us. 
A dad needs a plan for the holidays to ensure his family is loved and memories are made. Dad, what's your plan? Mom, what's your plan? A mom and dad need to ensure his family is given generously during the holidays. Giving generously during the holidays. Dad, who in need is your family going to adopt, bless, or serve during these holidays? A dad needs to carve out time for sacred events and experiences to build family tradition that are fun and point to Jesus. Dad, is your calendar ready for December? A dad is, is not to let the stress of the holidays, including money, cause him to be grumpy with mom or the kids. Dad, how's your joy? A dad needs to make memories and not just give gifts. Dad, what special memories can you make this holiday season to manage the extended family and friends during the holiday? Dad, who or what do you need to say no to? Dad is to schedule a big Christmas date with his daughters or daughters. Dad, what's your big plan for the fancy daddy-daughter date? The dad needs to schedule guy time with his sons. Dad, what are you and your sons going to do to, to act, be active or go outdoors or have some fun? To help, a dad needs to help get the house decorated. Don't be elbowing. Dad, are you really a big help to mom with getting things ready? But I mean, the list goes on and I'd be more than happy to email this out to you. But man, do we get everything all jacked up and it all goes back to two fistfuls, right? When I begun, we're chasing two fistfuls instead of the one. We're the lack of contentment. So we've got to set our heart on true riches. Luke 16 and 9. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon. Some people look at that and go, wait, 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 make friends for yourself by unrighteous man. Does that mean manipulate people with money so you get friends? That's not what it says. Here's what it says. Money that is unrighteous. Okay, I don't know if you realize this, but money has two spirits and it only has two spirits. It either has the spirit of God on it or it has the spirit of the world on it. So this is a question for you to ask yourself. My dollars, what spirit is on my dollars? And what this says is, take the unrighteous, that that is of this world, and make it righteous. And it goes on and it says that when, when you fail, and that translation is actually to die, when you fail, when you die, okay, they may receive you into eternal home. In other words, when you get to heaven, that person will go, thank you so much for buying my meal in the drive-thru during love week. You'll see somebody come walk up to you in heaven. You don't know this person from Adam. And they'll go, yeah, I, don't, I know you don't know me. But the Lord revealed it to me that you were the one that gave. And that was the reason that I got some clothes at the rock. We've had over 400 check-ins in the rock. Over 400 kids have been served in two and a half months. Right? Man, that we would set our heart on true riches on what it is that God has called us to do. It's about people. Here's my last point. And you are not going to like this one. <laughs> All right? Just prepare yourself. This, this, was a, this was a tough one. This was a step on our toe. Because it doesn't solve your now. Because all of us, we want our now solved. Right? Like we come to church and you go, just give me something right now. Give me something. And we love the bless me messages. And we love the prosperity messages. And there's a time for those. But there is also a time where you're going to have to run your race like I had to run my race yesterday. And it's going to stink. And you're going to do the last two miles with no music and no encouragement. Jeff Galloway stinks. I don't like that guy anymore. 
Listen, you're going to have that scenario. And when that comes, you're going to have to do number three. Set your heart on heaven. Set your heart on heaven. Our grandparents, they got it. They got it. Because some of you guys remember our grandparents, they used to sing about one day when we all get to go to heaven. They used to sing songs like, I'll fly away. Come on, somebody, right? One glad morning. When all this cockapoo-poo is over, that's not exactly what it says. I'll fly away. Listen to me. Our, our grandparents, they sung about heaven. We sing about blessings. What's the difference? One is focused on heaven and the other is focused on now. We have to come to a point where we set our hearts on heaven even when it stinks. Jesus, over and over in the Bible, when he's asked a question that is a now question, hey, hey, Jesus, we're dealing with this. Go back and check me on this. He doesn't say, here's a blessing, here's some money, here's this. You know what he says? He says, yeah, but in heaven, I'm preparing a place for you. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting that Jesus didn't go, here, you, it's, it's going to be okay. Right? No, he says, come on, you got this, run the race. Yeah, you're not feeling encouraged and you're not hearing the music right now. There's a finish line. But you have to have your heart set on heaven. This is not our home. I hope it works out here for you. And I am praying for you. But we have a place in eternity. Come on, somebody. Anybody know who Kane Brown is? Kane Brown's a new country singer, right? Jen and I, because the girls were talking about Kane Brown, and I saw him, I think he sang on The Voice last week or a week before or something like that. And so uh, we, I was kind of like curious. So Jen and I are driving over to the race this weekend, and we decided we'd check out some Kane Brown. So I pull up on my phone, I'm playing it through the truck, right? And I played this one song, and I forget the name of it. But he started talking about, I know, and these, and I'm paraphrasing. I know people talk about how they want to go to heaven. But when I lay next to you, girl, I don't want to go now. Listen, listen. I'm not hating on Kane Brown. I'm recognizing Mike in that statement. And I'm hoping you'll be bold enough to recognize you in that statement. Because we'll say things like, well, yeah, I want to go to heaven, but I sure would like to see my grandkids, or I sure would like to have this happen, or I sure would like to... Come on. In that moment, we've just placed earth over heaven. In that moment, we've just acknowledged we don't get heaven. Heaven is beyond anything that we can imagine. Come on, somebody. Like the hot light sign is always on in heaven. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? He, heaven is something that we can't grasp in this planet because everything around us is so shaken and such a mess and so stirred. And if we could get even a glimpse, oh Jesus, that you would give us a glimpse today 
of what heaven is like to be in the presence of God and there to be no pain and no tears and no cancer and no rape and none of the horrific things that have been done to you and said to you. It's all better than any of the greatest thing that this earth has to offer us. And maybe, maybe we're guilty of setting our hearts a little bit more on this earth than we have on heaven. In realizing, like our grandparents, if I had a focus of what heaven really was, I'd be singing the song. I'll fly away. And if that was today, I'm down. Let's go. Not because life stinks <laughs> and I want better. Listen to me, when life's good. Because the best this world has to offer is nothing compared to the presence of God. The best this world has to offer is nothing compared to what it means for me to not... Man, my Achilles won't hurt anymore. Come on, somebody. Your back won't hurt anymore. Some of y'all going to get hair. You know what I'm talking about? Come on. Like, like you, maybe you need to spend a little time and maybe that's part of your reframing of your thinking during this holiday season. What is heaven like? What is my heart set upon? Am I so set on the stuff of this world that I'm buying and consuming and collecting and doing this two-fistful thing, this life that's been created for us here in the United States and we call it normal? Let it go. And set my eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. I, I want to see the I, I want I want to see the finish line. I, I want to I, I want to go around that next curve. Yeah, this curve is kind of painful. I, I'm going to run this next this next race and this next part and. Man, I'm going through a divorce and it's painful and it stinks. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep my eyes focused. I'm having to pay for a bad decision that I made. And the consequences are, they stink. But I'm going to keep my eyes focused. Because I'm going to finish the race in which I was called for. I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to embrace the pain of this world and all that is around me to maintain a focus and set my heart upon heaven. That I might see what God has called me. And I promise you, the pain of this world gets numbed when you set your heart to the right place. No matter how painful it is. It will numb the pain. It will refocus you to what it is that God has called you to do. Colossians 3 and 12. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Would you close your eyes? Let me pray for you real quick. As the ladies are coming in, they're going to they're gonna play for us and prepare us for some altar time this morning. Would you just close your eyes for a second? Let me ask you a couple questions. And this is just for you. What's your, he- what's your heart set on?
What's the stuff that if you're honest, you're chasing? What's, what's the stuff that you use to comfort yourself? Holy Spirit, would you, we give you permission. We open ourselves up. We open our hearts up right now. Would you speak to us? Because God, we don't want to spend another Christmas chasing the American dream. We want to spend this time period chasing heaven's dream for our lives. So speak to us and what it is that we need to let go. What it is that we need to deal with this morning. is going to come up front ladies are going to play and and sing just a bit and the prayer team they'll be lined up right across here you guys can come on up prayer team and they're going to be lined here just to pray with if somebody needs to pray you need someone to pray with you they'll be here if you want to come just yourself and bow down and just say you know I just need to get on my knees and do business with God myself that's great there may be somebody here that you've never had a relationship with God and you haven't heard it quite the way that you heard it this morning. The Holy Spirit's just kind of tugging on you. Maybe your heart's beating a little faster. Maybe your, I don't know, your palms are a little sweaty. You just, there's something, you sense something going on. And I just need you to know that's God drawing your heart to say, come home. Set your heart on what I have for you. Give your life to me today. And you can pray with one of our people to do that as well. If you need healing or struggle, if you just want to come up to somebody and say pray, and and you don't even have to tell them what it is, but you know you recognize that you use something for comfort that you need to let go of, and they can pray that healing over you today. They can pray that that you walk away from that scenario today. And so um, another way you can respond, and and, and we end service a little weird for some people, um, because I just kind of walk off and everybody kind of has this moment like I don't know what to do next. And I do that on purpose because I want you to respond. I don't want you to just get up and go, okay, it's over and go. I want you to respond to what it is that the Holy Spirit is saying to you. So in just a moment, I'll walk off. You take whatever time you need. If you want to get up and go and go get the kids, do that. Children's ministry will be glad that you're coming. (laughs) Your offerings and your connect cards, please fill those out. Go in the boxes in the back. So as you're on your way out, drop your giving in the box there. But would you respond to God, whether it be giving, whether it be just filling out a connect card that you were here today and welcome if it's your first time. But do not be afraid to come here to the altar and see what the, the power of God can do in your life when you set your heart into the right place. Amen. So I'm going to say I'll see you guys next week, but I'm going to ask you now, would you respond to God before you leave today?